everybody, and welcome back to Opera Offstage. I'm Jesse, And I'm Michelle. And today we have a super exciting guest for you guys. We're going to have a little offstage chat with Spencer Britton. But before we jump into our episode, we wanted to tell you guys that we have something very exciting. If you've been on our Instagram, you may have noticed that we are starting to put out regular blogs, which is thanks to our two new blog writers. Yeah, we're super excited to have Preston Hereford and Camden McLean on our team writing excellent content. So if you guys haven't checked out our blog or didn't know we had a blog, we now have new blog posts coming out every Thursday and you can find those on our website which is opera-offstage.com slash blog. And recently we had some sites and resources that are really, really helpful that are mostly free for singers. We had a really great introspective piece by Camden. And so we're going to have lots of great resources for you to check out, lots of thought-provoking blog posts. So definitely check out the work because it's already been a blast. Yeah, it's so exciting to watch the team grow. And we're very excited to be able to offer even more resources up. And now I am very excited to introduce you to our guest, Spencer Britton. We actually found Spencer through his social media. He is a fantastic tenor currently living in Berlin, Germany, and doing some really amazing work over there. And Spencer, actually, I would love it if you would tell our audience just a little bit more about yourself and like where you're from, where you did some of your training, and anything else you'd like them to know about you. Sure thing. Thank you guys so much for having me. My name is Spencer Britton. I'm a Chinese-Canadian tenor, and I'm originally from Vancouver, British Columbia. I went to school at the University of British Columbia. I was there for seven years where I did my bachelor's and my master's degrees. And then I went on to do the Young Artist programs of the Glimmerglass Festival, L'Opera de Montréal, and I'm now at the International Opera Studio at Staatsoper Unter den Linden in Berlin. Wonderful. So that's that's a seems like a pretty streamlined, just kind of music school to some great summer programs to Germany, right? Yeah, it was pretty incredible. I was kind of, because I'm more of a specific Fach, I'm not your kind of middle of the road lyric tenor. I sing a lot more <laughs> high Belcanto music. So I was kind of of the mindset that a young artist program might not be for me because I won't be able to fulfill all these small roles that a lot of companies use their young artists for. So I kind of convinced myself to that I was going to be in Vancouver for a little bit, continue training and learning. And then, of course, I got a beautiful apartment because I was like, I'm out of school. I'm going to get a nice apartment. And then we were there for, I think, eight months before I had to move out because I got Glimmerglass in Montreal. So I left Vancouver. There you go. That's awesome. How was Glimmerglass for you? I absolutely loved Glimmerglass. It's like a dream summer vacation <laughs> opera camp. It was so much fun. I learned so much there. It really did a lot for me. That's awesome. So you were living in Canada. You were living in Montreal. Yeah. Um, and then your career kind of starts to take off and you are Europe found. So tell us a little bit about what brought you to Germany specifically and what it was like moving there with your fiance. So he was, my fiance was also training in Canada and we both had been kind of like picking up momentum in the United States. So we thought after I was done in Montreal and he was done at school, we would move somewhere in the United States, hopefully get the Young Artist Program. But we ended up doing a bunch of auditions and getting nothing. And isn't that just the way? Actually, that season, I did a total of 18 auditions. And wow, I got one job. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Which is what brought me to Germany. I got the studio at... Staatsoper Unter den Linden, which kind of came out of the blue. They found me online 
and asked me if I wanted to audition. And I said, why not? I didn't really expect Europe to come at this point in my career, but I think like these kind of surprise things are kind of how the best things happen. You just can never expect what's going to come. Yeah. When you say that you they found you online, what does that mean? <laughs> they were just like swiping away <laughs> and just saw your glorious face and voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, like it was so strange because they messaged me through my website ah. and asked me if I wanted to audition and I said yes. So once I got in and I had moved here on my first day, I asked the head of the studio, I asked him, I was like, just curious, how did you find me? I was like, was it because I did the Neustimmen competition? And he found me through there. And he's like, no, I found you before the Neustimmen competition. He's like, I think I just came across your website. I'm always looking for young singers. And I found your website and you have so much content on there. I wanted to offer you an audition right away. So the importance of online content. That is truly the dream, though. Like the dream is someone reaching out to you. <laughs> right? And like you yeah. put all this work into your website. You never know who's going to see it or how many people are seeing it. And then someone offers you an audition through your website it's like oh, it worked it finally worked <laughs> it's paid off yeah yeah casually waking up to yeah an email in your inbox offering you an audition from Stadtsoper. yeah awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> what incentive to have a nice website that's updated take notes kids right absolutely yeah keep it updated guys <laughs> yeah I think a lot of singers do dream of getting that audition and ending up moving to Europe and especially Germany. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that transition to being a singer in Germany was like for you? It's been really, really wonderful, It's especially for opera. It's so integrated in the culture here and especially Berlin. It's so incredible because there's three huge opera companies here. So there's a lot of opportunities and just in Germany in general, because it's all state funded, there's just a lot of opera happening. So there's a lot of auditions you can do in small towns. And I mean, the one thing I have to say is learn German ASAP because that'll be the most helpful thing. No matter if you're in a big city where English is super prevalent, it doesn't matter. Having German is so, so important. I would say next to English, it's probably the second most spoken language in rehearsals. But yeah, it's been really, really nice. However, the bureaucracy in Germany is out of control. So be prepared for a lot of paperwork if you do decide to come out here. It's a lot of paperwork, a lot of things that require patience and kind of just waiting around. Especially with coronavirus, it kind of slowed everything down. So it took a lot of patience and a lot of organization. But now that that's done, it's been really nice to enjoy just a really beautiful cultured city amazing but yeah that is the thing we don't think about is <laughs> is when you move to a new country all the documentation you have to provide all the documentation you have to provide again because it got lost somewhere and being prepared yes. for all of that absolutely but i'm glad you're having such an amazing time there because it does sound wonderful and beautiful Let's talk a little bit about your social media because you were mentioning that you got contacted through your website, which is beautiful. I I had a good laugh. I think your website says tenor, dancer, actor. Yep. And I was like, you would list tenor first. That is a tenor move. <laughs> <laughs> the most important the most thing important. here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually found you through your Definitely. social media because it was so entertaining and we're always looking for people who are being open and honest about what our industry is like and also sharing advice and fun pieces of themselves. I remember you just recently made a post about all the jobs you had while you were in school, which is a, a we were just talking about side gigs and hustles and how to maintain work and auditioning. So 
for you personally, like, what is the importance of having that active social media and presence as an artist? Yeah, for me, I kind of, I started out wanting to kind of demystify opera and opera singers for the general public because so many people think opera is this huge, glamorous, upper-class, rich person uh, form of entertainment, when really, like, after rehearsal, a lot of people go grab a beer like you would after work, and we're just normal people that happen to sing opera. So that's how it all started for me. And then the more I started to learn about what was important to me and how little we talk about what actually goes on in training and pursuing this career, it became more of a platform where I could share my experiences and my thoughts on sometimes some heavier topics like racism in opera and racial casting and that kind of stuff. And so it's really gone in this direction where I feel like I'm able to lend a voice to these issues that need to be talked about and try to normalize talking about it and that it's okay that not everything goes perfectly and not everything is glamorous like people think it is. It's okay to talk about the toxic teachers we had and that it's it's really not perfect all the time and we'd go through a lot to pursue a career that's very, very difficult. And I think it's very helpful for younger singers to realize that it's not the glamour that it looks like traveling around and all that stuff. It's not always that. And I find I think a lot of singers realize too late that the lifestyle might not be for them. Singing might be their favorite thing, might be their passion, but having a certain kind of career has a lot of sacrifice to it. And these are things that I think we need to talk about that get kind of like looked over in school. So hopefully through my social media, I'm able to share some of my experiences and bring some light to the insider scoop of <laughs> the upper career. I love that because I feel like there are a lot of artists that are not super transparent about the not so great parts of the career and you'll get like a glimmer, especially like the top artists will give you like a glimmer every once in a while and like some BBC interview where they're like, you know, what's tough? And they're like, it's fabulous. I live for, I am the art. And you're like, okay, but like really show us what it looks like to be pursuing music as a career so we really appreciate people who are open and honest because you're totally right I mean so much of music school is kind of condensing us all into this funnel of just like this perfect idea of an ideal opera singer and so few of us realize like too late that oh well maybe I don't maybe I don't want to do this maybe I can still love singing and that lives in balance with the fact that I want a different lifestyle you know totally and I think balance is a great word to use because it's not just about creating a career it's creating a a life that you want to sustain and so maybe being an international opera singer is not the life you want to live because you don't live in one city you're kind of living out of the suitcase all the time it's really hard to have a family I mean these are all possible but you kind of have to decide what's important to you and one of the nice things about Germany is that they have the fest system or the ensembles where you do work there for so many years And you're just an employee of the house, so you don't have to really fly around. You make enough money to survive. And so for a lot of people, I know a lot of Americans that have come here, and they've just kind of ended up in the fest system. And it brought them a lot of joy because they were able to have a stable life and have a family without having to worry about flying to a different city every other month. And if that's enough for you, then that's definitely something to consider. But these are the type of things that we don't get told in school, is that there's like different kinds of careers too we're not all going to be Nadine Sierra who's singing internationally all over we're not all going to be Diana Damrau some of us are going to be happy singing at one house for years on end and that should be 
applauded. It shouldn't be looked down upon or even singing uh, in community productions. Like, if that's what brings you joy, that's kind of why we did this, right? Like, I hope we're all pursuing yeah. music because it makes us happy, right? Not because it's, it's not going to make us a whole lot of money, so that definitely shouldn't be the reason, but... <laughs> <laughs> But it is. True. It's really opening up that <laughs> definition of what success is. And success is is whatever career is sustainable and brings you joy. Totally. And, and it doesn't need to be lead roles. And it can be best contracts. It could be being a teacher. It could be whatever. Absolutely. And that's the thing is also, I think, too, we're all too slow to be honest with ourselves and with the people around us about, like, what we actually want. You know, there were plenty of people I know who finished music school and then immediately were like, I hate young artist programs. I don't like these opera houses. And they, they take a different path and they take what they learned from music with them. And that also makes sense. Totally. But yeah, I think that's that's a wonderful way to look at it. I do think social media presence helps people understand that the world is a lot bigger than than the funnel that we've created for the perfect opera singer. And, and that what makes us individuals is much more important than what makes us the perfect golden age opera singer. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. So... Let's talk a little bit more about social media. You you post like pretty frequently, which I always find really impressive because you are like definitely at a really exciting point in your career. So like, how do you make time? Like, how do you come up with the inspiration for your posts? And then also like, have you found through social media that you've made just like a lot of connections that you might not otherwise have made? Totally. That's really good. Really good question because... It really is a lot of work and I do right now I'm trying to post twice a day one reel and one post and because I'm, I'm mostly self-taught with social media I am trying different things for the algorithm and I feel especially during this pandemic the algorithm has been changing rapidly with the with TikTok coming into play and reels and all this stuff so everything has been rapidly changing but some days it's easy some days I see some things that really inspire me and I'm like oh I can definitely relate this to opera and to my life or my content and some days it's easy so I can make three or four and then there will be some days where I'm just like there's no way I am filming anything today <laughs> yep yes yeah, so language. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely like up and down and it one thing that I really have to always keep in mind and my fiance is really good at reminding me of this is that it's more about the quality than it is about the quantity of likes or views and it's so easy to get caught up in that like you work so hard on one reel and then like no one sees it it can be really heartbreaking but it's like like I said before I'm hoping that I'm demystifying some of these things in opera and so I hope that even if it's seen by 50 people that someone in that 50 people get something from it they have a realization or feel comforted or mostly I just want to make people smile and bring joy because we always need more of that in this life but yeah it's a lot of yes work. you're very good at that thank you <laughs> it, I mean it brings me joy too and that's what I like to do through my art in both opera social media through whatever I'm doing I really I like to do what I enjoy and so I like to share my joy through my art through my content creation and that's usually my goal very nice I think you've really nailed that in your social media I think anyone who looks at it notices the joy you take in what you do but also all of your honesty it's a difficult balance to strike. Thank you, yeah. It can be nerve-wracking to kind of speak negatively about the career, of course, but it's true. And sometimes I post something and the, I'll get a colleague or someone being like, oh my gosh, who said that? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's not about someone saying it. It's just like, I know that it happens. 
It's probably happened in the past to me, but it's not necessarily about one specific interaction. It's just a lot of these negative things that I talk about happen more frequently than you think. So it's not singling someone out. It's just kind of bringing to light that this is something we should be aware of, especially if you think that you might have done that. Maybe it's good to just like to give it a second thought about how you're interacting with other people. And I hope that that happens for people in a constructive way, not in an offensive way. Yeah, definitely. One of the more difficult topics you've broached this year, obviously, there have been lots of conversations about racism and acts of violence against Asian people, both in the opera community, but also in the world at large. And you paired up with Wear Yellow Proudly, and you've made some beautiful and poignant posts about what it was like. What changes would you like to see in the opera industry moving forward and kind of with some of the repertoire? I would love to know what you personally feel about those. Yeah, it's that's such a good question. And I've actually been doing some... I guess speaking at some universities both here and in the United States about this topic because it's it is I think a very personal topic and that's why it's so difficult to find an answer because there I think there really isn't a right answer. There are just steps we can take to keep getting better and those are the steps we need to take. So the kind of things I want to see are definitely like Asian stories or stories of Uh, from people of color on stage. And those are the ones we need to be producing and we need to be funding those projects. And I want to see those on the big stages. Like I want to see major houses taking risks with these new operas and really supporting them and giving them a voice. That's what I want to see. Another thing I want to see is a little bit more consideration to culturally sensitive operas. And what I mean by that is if you're doing a show like Madama Butterfly, you cannot have an all-white creative team. You cannot. And one thing that I've been talking about that I don't think exists yet, or maybe it doesn't, I just haven't heard of it, but I think there needs to be a position, something along the lines of a cultural consultant for these kind of operas especially, where it's someone from that ethnic background, ideally with some education and how to deal with the sensitivities of presenting cultures and race on stage, And so this person is the person that can ensure that what companies are presenting is culturally appropriate and sensitive to everyone, the audience, the performers. I find a lot of what's happening right now is that they will cast, or they'll try and cast the right person of color in the role, but then they put all of this pressure on that one person to also make the executive decisions on what's appropriate and what's not. And that's really not fair to the artist. That puts a lot of pressure on them especially while they're in rehearsals already trying to prepare a role that's already difficult enough. So I think having a culture consultant, someone who is educated and kind of knows a little bit more about the ins and outs of presenting these things on stage, I would love to see that being more more normalized in... I think there's, there's so many shows in the canon, and I'm not a big supporter of cancel culture. I just think we need to reimagine and rework some things. And there are so many young, driven directors and creatives out there that are just dying to work and they have so many good ideas and I think that we need to be taking more chances giving these people opportunities because that's how we're going to discover new things if we're all constantly working with the same type of people the same people over and over again we're not going to get anything new so I think really like focusing on pumping new blood into the opera world will really really help us just kind of launch us into like the next chapter of what opera is. Yeah. I mean, you make a couple of really amazing points there. And I think one of them is that like, it's almost a bit of a, almost a bit of a red herring to keep talking about necessarily some of these operas that do have to be handled by 
people who are knowledgeable of the cultures, but also that we can put out new operas written by people. Yes. And I think it's, we don't have yeah. to Imagine. always go back to these. <laughs> Imagine new operas. Imagine new works. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> but also that, that a cultural consultant is a full-time job. And it deserves to be paid and treated as such and not layered on top of someone who's only being paid to sing. 100%. It's like its own position. It cannot be... It is. It's like an intimacy consultant. Like we have these things and they are there for a reason and they are there to make everyone more comfortable and safe in our industry. Exactly. And they need to be paid. They need to be paid. <laughs> Pay us for our work. Yeah. And that was always the, the interesting thing. We're going back to talk about some of the opera industry statements from a year ago. And so many of them were like, we're listening to the community. And it's like, don't listen. Hire people. Pay them to tell you what to do. Yeah. Don't just group source it and get, get it for free. You need to pay someone to come in here and fix this. And follow through. Like, it's like this whole, right now there's a lot of talk about rainbow washing for Pride Month where you kind of just like slap a rainbow flag <laughs> onto your logo and you're just like, look, we're supporting the community. But if you don't do anything about it, you're not supporting it. You're just taking advantage of the, the current situation and that's not going to change anything absolutely and selling things with rainbows on them but none of the money goes to any any organizations that actually benefit lgbtq plus communities and i was talking with somebody i was like you know it's funny because like pre-2013 and the legalization of gay marriage in the u.s would have been unthinkable to slap a rainbow on your logo during pride month unless you were specifically just an organization that only catered to the community so it's, yeah, it brings false. And it's also funny to see it like slapped on a bank and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> and you see like Nike at Pride now and you're like. <laughs> yeah, it's like, sh show us the, give us, give us actions. Like show us that you're following through. Give us yeah. your money. Yeah. <laughs> no. Give us your money and your support, not just your rainbows. Exactly. <laughs> but actually, I would also like to talk about, you know, moving abroad. I don't know how aware sometimes places like Germany are of the larger conversations about racism happening in North America. Not that America does well, or, but sometimes the experience of people of color moving to Europe has been fraught, to put it simply. And so how aware do you feel like Germany is of the situation as a whole? Like living there and working there as, a, as an as like Asian American. I mean to say Chinese Canadian. <laughs> yeah, I think, it's, I think it's equally as big a problem here. I think maybe it's because I'm not as involved here because I'm new here, but I see a lot more groups in Canada and the U.S. taking action. It's a, like, I can talk about it openly here, and it's definitely prevalent here by no means. Yeah, Racial casting, I think, is definitely an international thing and something companies across the world are thinking about. Whether or not they're actually doing anything about it, who knows. I'm, I was glad to see that at least it was a topic of discussion here. I was kind of worried that it was going to be like shoved under the rug and forgotten or not talked about. But it, it is uh, taken into consideration here. Yeah. I don't think it's better. I don't think it's necessarily worse, but it's still a problem. Yeah. I was traveling with Pepperdine and we went to Vienna and they had an exhibit up. And it was Placido Domingo in blackface singing Otello. And I was like, because mm. it's this huge like 20 foot banner hanging there. And I was like, that's un thinkable that you would hang that anywhere yeah but they're just not aware of it they have no sense of why that is such a terrible thing to hang up yeah i think maybe they are a little bit behind here with that kind of thing like they think it's part of the costume and they don't necessarily I, they might just not have the yeah context or understanding of why blackface is not appropriate like that was a question for production of magic flute here from anastatos as well and i was kind of like oh and then of, of course they asked the singer 
because he was black and playing Tamino if he thought it was appropriate. And he said no. So they didn't do it. But again, yeah. it shouldn't be the singer's responsibility. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think there there is that difficulty of not necessarily having the full context for some of these ideas. There's not the cultural context and the knowledge of why it's so insensitive. <laughs> and that's putting it mildly. Yeah. But thank you so much for sharing that. Awesome. So we really like to talk to people who are just like a couple years ahead of us. Because we as young artists who are just a couple years out of grad school, like sometimes it is hard to talk to artists that are like really far into their careers because not only is like the time that they rose into their careers just a different time than we're in now, but also like the industry changes, perspective change, like so much is just happening in the opera industry right now. We're really enjoying just kind of getting this insider info from you. So what advice would you give your younger self coming out of music school or what would you want your younger self to know that's a great question and i totally agree i love talking to the singers that are just coming up that was where i was a few years ago i think it's really important to share what i experienced that the people facing the same things in the next couple of years kind of have a better idea on how to equip themselves for it so i really appreciate the opportunity to speak openly like this and hopefully help a few others that are trying to pursue something similar but what I would, the advice I would give to myself largely would be to not shy away from being who, or exploring who I really am. I think so much in opera, especially, people try and project the boxes they want us to fit in, both vocally and as an artist and as a person. They think that if you're going to have a career, you have to do this. If they think you're doing this, you're never going to have a career. The more and more I get into this career, the more and more I learn that being truly myself, exploring what I need, what I like, influences my art, brings me more joy in life, and that brings me more joy in my art. And it gives me some life experience to work off of and some flexibility to advocate for myself and really make sure that the work I'm doing is work I want to be doing in the way that I think it should be done. And do I butt heads with people sometimes? Yes, but it doesn't throw me into a downward spiral that I can't come back from because I've explored and I know that I am more than that one experience. I know that I am more than just working for one company and there's so much more to life. So I think taking the time to really explore who you are and what you need in life more than just opera is so, so vital and that's something I wish I knew earlier because I feel like I'm finding out a lot of things about myself now that would have been very helpful when I was in school, coming out of school. And it kind of would have given me that confidence boost that I needed to not shy away from being me. And that's, for me, being both gay and Asian, those are both things I tried to hide for so long because I thought they would hinder me in my career. Now they're some of my greatest strengths and my greatest pride. That's something I would like my younger self to know is to be proud of those things and don't be afraid to show them and also to tell the loved ones your loved ones that you love them because we need more love all the time and things can just change so fast like you can move across the world you can lose someone so do not forget to express your love to the ones that you care about so well said I think that's really really excellent advice thanks <laughs> wow like good vibes have entered the interview like <laughs> So, so have entered the chat i'm like, all about I the good vibes so much. i love it's the way to live <laughs> it is the way to live yeah that that's really wonderful advice 
Yeah. I mean, that that opera funnel in music school will really get you. So you really do have to advocate for yourself and everything that makes you you. Because without it, what are you? You know what I mean? How can you really create and bring your perspective to your art if you don't embrace that part of yourself, you know? Definitely. I just remember the time I auditioned for a yap and they were like, tell us about yourself. And I I balked at the question because I wasn't ready. I was like, what about me? I was like, as a musician, <laughs> as a person, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't ready. <laughs> but but yeah, we're huge advocates of being a, a whole person and not just not just a musician. I think that's it's it's hard to do in music school. <laughs> it is. And I think it's like total brainwashing that you have to fit this mold in order to have a career but like I, I've talked to some famous singers who literally said I wish I took better care of my personal life because the career doesn't last forever at the end of the night you go home and if you don't have anything there if you don't have a life outside of opera it's not so glamorous another that word they keep using but it's true like it can be very lonely and if you let your relationships fall through the cracks because you're so wrapped up in having this big career that you may or may not have then you're going to miss out on a lot and Life is only so long, and opera is not going to fulfill everything, every need that you have. It's just not, and that's that's life. Like your job is not who your job is not your personality. Your job does not define who you are. You are a person inside and outside that job, and completely separately from that job. Amen. <laughs> it's a good uh, way to look at it. Yeah. One of the things that you you did do that a lot of opera singers don't do is that you worked in musical theater too, kind of extensively. And you are a very good dancer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Which is also something that does not translate to a lot of opera. Yes. <laughs> so tell me, like, how working in both has benefited you. Because sometimes I feel like people do. I, I know a lot of teachers who pushed people out of musical theater in college because they were like, you do opera or you do musical theater, but you can't do both. Yeah, it's it's so true. And I remember being in school. I think it was the second year of my undergrad. I had auditioned for Legally Blonde the Musical. And so <laughs> one of my one of my favorite experiences for real. It's so good. For real. <laughs> but I remember telling the director of the program that I was not going to be available for the summer because I got into this musical. And she all of a sudden was like, well, I, I was going to cast you as Remendado in Carmen. And I said, well, well I, I already accepted Legally Blonde and I would like to do Legally Blonde. Um, but thank you for letting me know that you're considering me. I'd love to come back and do a role next year. And then when I came back, her comment was, are you ready to show me that you're finally serious about opera? And if you are, you can't do these musicals anymore. And I was just like, what? And of course, like being young, I think it was like, what, 18, 19. And I'm just like, oh, if I want an opera career, I have to give up musical theater. That's the only way. But what the turning point for me was getting back into musical theater was that I was scrolling through Yap Tracker as you do, trying to find something to do after university. And I saw that Glimmerglass Festival was doing West Side Story, which has been like a dream show of mine. I did like a small production of it in grade seven, but obviously it's a grade seven production of West Side Story. So it's not quite the same. <laughs> um, but I saw that they were doing like the original choreography and I was like, wow, that's so cool. So I investigated Glimmerglass Festival a little bit. I had heard of them, but didn't know a whole lot about them and saw their season. They were doing Cunning Little Vixen, Barbara Seville, and Silent Night. And I didn't really know much about Silent Night or Cunning Little Vixen. But I was like, oh, Barbara Seville is something that I sing. And West Side Story, oh my God, wouldn't that be so cool? And of course, I'm like, as an Asian, 
yeah, right, but might as well try. So I did it. They gave me an audition and I remember being in the audition room and just like being so excited about the dance call and like just feeling like I crushed it and they gave me a call back and they made sure to tell me, they're like, just so you know, we're doing uh, racially mixed casting for this production. So there'll be pieces, people of all races on both sides um, of the show. And I said, wow, that's really cool. And they're like, yeah, our riff will be Asian American. So, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And of course, at that point, you can't, like, you're hopeful, but you don't assume anything. But they took me, they took me that season. And for me, West Side Story was a huge turning point in my career. It kind of gave me my dance chops back because that choreography is no joke. My Lord. I don't think I've ever been in more pain in my body than after the first few days of rehearsal. But the choreographer was like, wow, you're an opera singer and you dance like that. And I was like, well, it's been a while, but I I was a dancer since I was six. And so like that show ended up going on tour. And so I got a lot of opportunities to just travel with the show and do it over and over and over again. And that kind of opened my eyes up to being able to do both. They also cast me as the cover for Alma Viva and Barbara Seville. So it was like they really kind of, yeah, they kind of really showed me that it was possible and that they really support that. So Glimmer Glass definitely gave me the foundation to do both musical theater and opera. The second year Glimmer Glass had me back, they had me as a featured dancer in Showboat, and I was the dance captain for The Ghost of Versailles, which was which went to Versailles, France, which was Amazing. incredible. So Amazing. So wow. I was like, wow. It, it, like, I didn't think da- musical theater or dance was going to come back into my life, and it came back full force, starting with Jerome Robbins' choreography. <laughs> right? But there you have this exact thing, this this thing that sometimes music school tries to like pull out of you. And at the end of the day, it was a huge benefit. It was something that, that got you roles and got you jobs. And, and not only that, brought you a lot of joy. Yeah. Then the transferable skills are endless. You learn so much from doing both. I would pay good money to see that seventh grade production of West Side Story <laughs> because I don't understand oh, yeah. what that would even look like. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really know what happened. It's kind of a blur, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably blocked out for a reason by now, but... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's so funny. But also, also, like, opera houses in, especially in North America, are doing musical theater. It's happening all the time. Yeah. And they want to see people that can sing classically in a musical theater style, that can move or dance, and it's so so important especially in north america especially in the united states i think because there's all of these crossover yeah. pieces too like porgy and Bess, so many kurt vile pieces there's a lot of lenya competition has a musical theater component to it it's super vital and being able to do both just increases the amount of jobs you can have and also as a performer gives you some versatility and flexibility and who doesn't want a little bit of that absolutely yeah amen again <laughs> i mean that's <laughs> That is the thing. We reach the end of our time in school, but at a certain level, everyone has, you're all about at the same level vocally. Obviously, everybody's voices are different, but you really do need things that set you apart in some way. Mm -hmm. Dance skills are definitely one of those things. Great acting chops, also one of those things. But one of the things you brought up, the, the awareness of your body on stage. Yeah. That's that is a huge benefit of dance. Even if you're not physically dancing in a show, just being aware of yourself and aware of like how you hold your arms close or far from your body, like it's something you we all realize when we look at our audition tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those 
darn habits that just creep up into your audition tapes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's oh, the first God. time you see some of those things about yourself <laughs> or in production Oh, photos. Lord. Yeah, I have many, many of those. <laughs> Man, those production photos will get you. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, well, Spencer, it has been such an immense joy to have you on the podcast and just chat about you and your career and all your fabulous insight. I'm sure our audience is wondering where they can get follow you where they can keep up to date where they can engage with your great social media content so do you have any upcoming engagements that they should know about and where can they find you yes so this summer i will be singing lindoro in l'italiana in algeri at the breganser festspiele so if you happen to be in austria somewhere make sure you come check it out and hit me up you can find me at spencer britain on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or you can visit my website, www.spencerbritain.com. Fabulous. Thank you guys so much for having me. I just want to say, like, you are the exact kind of artist we do want to see in our industry. I think you're just so joyful, and you're so engaged, not only with the industry where you are, but also with everyone else who is still growing and changing and coming into this industry and I think it's just such a, a beautiful and wonderful thing and it has been such a joy to have you on the podcast and we're happy to have you as a friend of the pod so thank no, you again. thank you guys it was really a pleasure for me and I love doing these kind of things and just shedding some light on what it's really like it's it can be hard but it's also very fun oh my goodness this episode was such a joy so many nuggets of wisdom and Spencer is just what a lovely person. It makes me so excited. We definitely knew we wanted him to be our next person to spotlight in our offstage chats. If you guys really like this type of content, offstage chat series also features artists like Tona Brown and Tracy Cox. So you can check those out. Kind of the whole point of this series is to really dive into the people that we interview and find out more about them and their unique careers and just get to know them as people. So check out those other interviews. And if you have somebody you think that we should interview for our next offstage chat, slide into our DMs, send us an email and let us know. We definitely want to keep that in mind. So if you guys aren't already with us on Instagram, that's our main hub. So you can find us at Opera Offstage. You can also find us on Facebook twitter you can join our discord and talk about this week's episode with us that's in our link in bio in our instagram and we will see you guys next week bye bye, bye.